It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by Price Picks. Price Picks is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to pricepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use the code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week, you might be already in it, it might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Nuggets, your daily Denver Nuggets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody, and welcome to the Locked On Nuggets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Adam Matas from DNVR, and I'm joined by my co-host who is glowing, looking proud and happy as as you might imagine he is. I know it's funny, Nuggets fans, I, I see them sometimes in the comments being like, oh God, it's Monday, we're going to have to hear about the Chiefs. But go ahead, take the take the, take the podium here, uh, do your victory lap, you've earned it, you deserve it. Hey, I'm, you know what, I'm just happy that we could get past the dynamite Buffalo Bills that everyone <laughs> I listened to last week said was going to win the game. Right? Just... I, you don't do the Lakers thing where you pretend that you were <laughs> everyone's, the under- okay. <laughs> look, look, everyone's accused me of this. Have the Lakers been without a title since the 60s? That's Have the Lakers enough, suffered like five of the worst no, 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 collapses? No. I'm just talking about the whole like we were underdogs, we're sneaky, we believe Lakers, like whatever. Like, hey well, man, I, I will say this: I was a little insulted that the line was only three in Arrowhead, and well, everyone was on Buffalo. You like, were correct. You were correct to be insulted. By yeah, that. if it was like four and a half, I would have been fine. Like, even four and uh-huh. a half, I've been like, all right, the backdoor cover. But like, right, three points for the best quarterback of all time. Come on now, <laughs> come on now. But I'm very uh, excited. You know, what? honestly, Adam, I'm I like I mean this sincerely. Like, look, it's fun to like act certain ways and on mediums but like look the chiefs are why i love sports i got into the nba at the same time but like my introduction to sports was watching the chiefs with my dad that's like was and i i have called him after every single game since i left home for college Hmm. um that is a really big bond to me i called him tonight and so like yes you go back to back but like honestly like i am genuinely in awe because like I like, I care about sports. I love sports. I made sports my, my occupation. Um, and it's a really awesome feeling. And it's even better to know that after we win this one, the next one will have more than the Broncos. So that's <laughs> the counting championships from before you were born. is just weird to me, but you know, everybody has their own strategy. Everybody has their own to their own, their own standard. I will say that part of why I don't really mind the chiefs thing now, I'm sure I will in a couple of years, but at least right now is for what you just said, like, I like when long suffering fan bases get one um, and that novelty wears off before long, but it does yeah. give me hope that the nuggets might one day. I, honestly, I'm dead serious. If we win this one, I am not only am I good with, but like, I'm not going to necessarily be upset if we don't win for a couple of years after I don't want, I will to- say this. I think you're, I, I, I call BS on that. No, and I think, I don't, that, I don't think, no, I know. I don't think that you are being dishonest about this. I'm just saying, I said this when the nuggets went in, we're going to talk about the Phoenix Suns victories. We're going to talk about some of the stuff, but when the nuggets went to Phoenix, you go, okay, if they can just split, I'll feel good. If they just get a split, then they win the first one. And then you go like, okay, this one going into game two, whatever. We'll see what happens. Then you get to the fourth quarter and you're like, man, they can't blow this. They got an opportunity <laughs> here. Like, 
it would be real painful if they didn't get this one. So it, I, I believe you believe that, Matt. But um, today's episode is brought to you guys, of course, first off by Built Bar. Uh, go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKDOWN, you get 20% off of your order. We got a good show for you today, good Monday to kick things off. Uh, the first thing we're going to talk about is matchups. What have we learned about the Denver Nuggets? What matchups seem to give them problems? Uh, which matchups maybe are easy for them? We're going to talk about Nikola Jokic's MVP case. We, you and I have not talked about this yet. And part of it's because we're only 15 games into the season and it always felt weird doing the like, who's the MVP of week one. But now that we have at least, I think the baseline sample size for us to be able to be like, who has started the season off the best. I think we can get into that. And then final segment, we're going to talk about the starters tonight uh, and what the starter should be going forward and whether Michael Porter is ready, or I should say if the nuggets are ready to put him back into the starting lineup. But first let's talk about the matchups. Now um, Sacramento Kings, Bad matchup. That's all I got. Yeah. I, I, well, you know what's funny is like, it's, it's easy to joke, but like, think about it. Like, all right. Um, lightning fast point guard. Yep. Okay. Lots Might of be number one thing that I think Denver struggles with possibly number one, lots of speed on the perimeter. Uh, I, I have shifted a little bit. So uh, I think this has been kind of a point of contention between us. I've said that Jokic struggles with like pogo stick centers, big, long athletic finish at the rim. I those kind of dudes. Um, I, I agree with that, with that. Okay. Um, but I actually have shifted a little bit though, because I think you have to have the point guard with him. Like, oh, oh he, no, no, no. This was my take. This yeah. is the thing that I think we, we disagreed on because yeah. I always said those guys are just finished. Clint Capella. He's just a finisher. You give yeah. him a good point guard. He does that job. Well, you give him a bad point guard. You don't notice him. Right. So if it's, um, even like Colin Sexton, Darius Garland, Sure. Right. And those guys were great last year versus the Nuggets. But if it's those guys with Capella, you're not as worried because they're not as good at playmakers. But if it's Chris Paul, if it's De'Aaron Fox, um, and it's an interesting question of they handled the Grizzlies so well last year. But I wonder if maybe Memphis is going to pose a problem, especially if they play them later in the year when Jaron Jackson's back. Right. Like Mm -hmm. that theoretically should be a little bit of an issue, even though Jackson plays more power forward. If he plays at center, I could see that being kind of a problem with John Morant and um and jaron jackson so i think speed athleticism a great point guard and a rim finisher and like all of these things are kind of like if you morph them the lakers turn into right like anthony davis is like this the best pogo sticks finishing big man imaginable because he has such an array outside of of just the the lobs too and if you took the point guard and you made him six eight in a tank it's lebron right um so I think that those are kind of like, but those are definitely the character characteristics. I will say, I don't think necessarily that, am I wrong to say that like, I don't, as bad as their defense is, I don't worry as much about shooting this year. And maybe that like, they're giving up a lot of threes, but I haven't felt like, oh man, like they just get overwhelmed because they're shooting enough now with threes to kind of keep up in some of these. I mean, is that wrong? Uh, well, I think what it, the way I would put it, Matt, is really these are all these are all connected. When does Denver give up three-pointers, and in particular corner threes? It's when they get collapsed up top by speedy point guards or crafty mm. point guards. And then Denver gets into a position where they have to pick their poison, and that is, does Jokic step up and stop ball and risk the lob threat? Do you step up and rotate behind really hard and let risk the kick out three? All of those things to me are, are all sort of a part of the same issue. It's just you're dying by one of those three things. Um, so that to me, that's more what it is. I wouldn't say they're not vulnerable to a shooting team. I think everybody's vulnerable to a team that can shoot the ball well if they get open. It's just does Denver allow to get open? And I think that's where this is where, you know, it's funny. I'm, I'm, and we're going to get into this in the next segment, but people talking about Denver and this horrible defensive team, I think they're up to 19th or 20th, somewhere in there, ahead of oh, the Nets, yeah. ahead of the Clippers, you know, like uh, right right up there with a bunch of these other teams that they haven't got nearly the, the recognition. What I think it is for Denver is they're really bad at a very specific type of thing. And when teams are able to do that, they just look like they can't get any stops. Utah did this to them last year for the first five games of the, of the series. And it was like, oh, this team can't guard anyone. Nope, they just have a weakness. And if you can exploit it, they look really bad. Hmm. That's interesting. Okay. I'm into this. I'm into this idea. Um, who do we think they might they match up really well against? Well, there's one other, there's one other thing that they struggle with okay. that I, I want to bring up anybody that has someone that can guard Jokic reasonably well, 
Because nobody can guard him, in my opinion. But if you have somebody that you don't have to help off of, they have a real hard time generating offense outside of that. And that's, again, you talk about Utah last year and why Denver looked so silly. Well, they couldn't stop Utah on one end. And they had a guy in Gobert that at least could make him work on the other end and can make things difficult. So it was kind of a perfect storm. Denver still pulled out the victory there. But I do think that that is one. You watched last night's game. I thought that Jokic looked exhausted. I thought that Aiton did a very good job defensively against him, and it made things kind of ugly for Denver. They went six minutes without scoring at one point with Jokic on the court. You wouldn't have guessed that would happen. There's like a 200-comment reply war going on in my mentions after I posted the quote from Malone last night, or from Jokic, rather, last night. I asked him about Aiton. Um, I want to get his perspective because I, I like – this is one of the things, and we'll talk about this in the next segment with Jokic, but one of the things I like about Jokic is he's not just going to run down everybody. Like he, he's not a boxing promoter where he's going to be like, he's trash. He can't do nothing to right, me. Right, right. Of course. Doesn't not going to be on Instagram trolling anybody. Thank like God. He's, you know, and so he absolutely just ate Aiden's lunch in Aiden's like third game of his career last season. Yeah. Second or third. Yeah. I mean, it was like a blistering. And after the game, like Aiden was pissed. He was like, like one, he felt like like Jokic just flopped on him all game. But two, he was like, he has a lot of tricks. I got a lot to learn. Right, right. And so I asked Jokic about him last night, and Jokic actually was like, he was like, he was incredible. Yeah. Like he played so well. He's gotten so good at recognizing how to uh, plays, and like he stopped me on like four, five, six possessions. He right. was great. Yeah. And so I think it was really cool to see Jokic like give credit to a young guy that's improved on him. Yeah. Um, he's setting the table for the playoff run, man. I mean, it's the long game. Yeah, for sure. So <laughs> collective friend of the program, uh, Seth Partnow has a term that he uses for various offenses called heliocentric. Yeah. And you can cross lap this with like great players like that the, the uppermost best players in the league, right? If you're the best player, you're heliocentric because everything's going to go through you because you're awesome. Like in many ways, Jokic is heliocentric. Yeah. However, like it is notable because the team that I kind of that kind of sticks out to me is um, Dallas. Like Dallas has struggled this season, and so I'm like, well, why did they lose that game? And like Rashawn Holmes is, I think, is fits in that pogo stick type mm-hmm. descriptor. But also, you've got Luca. Is am I wrong on this? That part of it, and this actually kind of explains their success against the Warriors for for several years is part of this that if you run a team-based offense, if you run something where like there's, it's kind of egalitarian and everybody shares the ball, Nuggets can, the Nuggets can defend that and can battle that and can combat that. Sure. But if you run a system that is heliocentric on either side, because the Jazz run a heliocentric defensive system with Gobert, if it's, we have one guy that is so exceptional, we're going to drive everything to him and he's going to deliver because you can't stop this individual. Yeah. Is that maybe the key to where the Denver really struggles? I don't think so. I really don't. I mean, they're going to be players that are one-on-one brilliant, but unless if unless they're pick and roll brilliant, I don't think it's going to matter that much. Hmm. Because okay. I think that an offense, you could Denver. First of all, Denver's going to score with a lot of teams. So if you have, you know, say a Brooklyn that just has these one-on-one scores, well, guess what? You're going to score on Denver the same way you score on everybody else in the league. You're not running the pick and roll. You're not getting the lobs. They did that to beat them this last time, and that was before the trade. That's when they actually had these threats with them. Right now, they don't, and I think it becomes a little bit less. So, so I don't, th- I don't necessarily think that's it. I think people overstate maybe a little bit of like the Clippers matchup. Okay, they got the long wings, this or that. But again, those guys just score on everybody. Um, you know, I no, think but, that's, but that's also relevant because of because the Nuggets beat them. Right? Is like right. the Clippers don't run a ton of pick and roll. A lot of it's ISO. Nope. Yep. And so like, that's probably like part of that dynamic as well. Um, it's one of the reasons why it's such a bummer that the Sixers got hit with that contact tracing. Cause I would like to see that matchup because the Sixers don't mm. pick and roll as yeah. much as a lot of teams do. I'm doing actually a deep dive on Embiid right now. Um, I have a big article on the Sixers coming out this week on action network. And so after I did Jokic last week, right. I'm doing Embiid this week and, and the comparisons are really kind of funny, yeah. which we can talk about in the next segment, but um, the two things, if we quickly get a what I think Denver matches up well with teams that don't have a center that can that can defend like if, a small ball team, not going to work. It does work against certain teams. It's not going to work against Denver. And I think if you have if you don't have the requisite amount of shooting, I think Denver can rotate very well. I think they have enough continuity and chemistry, even on the defensive end with the guys that have been there, that they can make their rotations as long as they don't have to scramble whatever if you have one guy that they can say hey if he beats us so so be it then that i think they can win if you look at last night's game jay crowder goes what six for 11 from the three-point line 
I think Denver did a great job. I actually going back and watching, I thought Denver was great defensively. Sometimes Jay Crowder beats you. Not often, but sometimes that happens. And Jay Crowder goes six for 11 last night. Denver still wins. That's what happens more often than not. So I think, I think that's the thing. If you can't, and this is why Dallas will be interesting tomorrow because they often do not have enough shooting to, to beat you. Yep. And it'll be interesting to see if Denver can, can get that done. That's great analysis. That's why I want to do this segment with you. I thought your thoughts would be really interesting. Before we go to break, can we uh, circle back around on how hilarious it was that you and I spent all this time arguing on the last show about how about whether or not they would and if they should rest Jamal Murray uh, and or Nikola Jokic. Murray is listed as questionable. We're like, oh, they're going to rest there him. There it goes. Oh. You took an early victory lap. And he plays 40 minutes. <laughs> and they both looked like I mean, they looked really, really, really bad. Uh, just tired, just worn down. Um, yeah, and of course, they, they mean, won the game for it. They also look like the best players on the Nuggets roster, but um, they looked really, really credit, worn down. Credit to Nicola for doing media last night because I would have given him a pass. Yeah, um, Murray took Murray took that pass. Murray took that pass, and nobody's gonna mind. Like, nope. We're just like if they've been like, hey, Jamal's just, but we've been like, that's fine, that's okay. Um, so that was like, you know, I, I appreciate Joker doing it, and he was in good spirits actually, but you could just tell he was exhausted. Uh, I also, as much as like the, the victory lab, I will say this though. What's the thing I've said about how Malone's going to approach this. I said that when, oh, they, were yeah, yeah. when they were losing, he yeah. was going to say, well, we can't rest him now. We're losing. Yeah, we got to get a win. Winning. He, he's going to say, can't we can't rest him now. And then he, he literally said that to me in an answer. He literally <laughs> answered one of my questions that way. I'll tell you what, and then we could go to break here, but I don't think Paul Millsap should play a single back-to-back the rest of the season. I think that's his one back-to-back I, I, he looked like he had nothing to give. Will Barton looked like he had nothing to give. I understand them playing Murray and Jokic, although I, if you would have told them they would play 40 minutes, maybe they would not have done it. But uh, Millsap and, and Barton, it was, until Barton's healthy, given second night of back-to-backs off. I think, I think that one's clear. I agree. Uh, let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll talk about Jokic's MVP case and just let you bask in the glory <laughs> of this season for him. We'll see. We'll but see. before we go to break, let's talk about Bilt Bar. Because if Jokic and, and Murray are tired, they should be having themselves a Bilt Bar to get their energy back up. Mm. Bilt Bar is delicious. There are these protein bars, wonderful company, sponsors our whole network, and they are super awesome. You've got six new flavors like cookies and cream. I love cookies and cream. Uh, Apple Almond Crisp is another one I really like. 12 original flavors like mint brownie, salted caramel, orange. Lemon cheesecake. That's my jam. That's Lemon your jam. Cheesecake. Yep. Uh, the bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. Built Bar is great for the health conscious guy. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. I've been having them after workouts because I'm famished from this new workout regimen that I'm on. Um, let's take a look at the Cherry Barcia bar, okay? 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, only four grams of sugar, and only four gram net carbs. Cannot beat that. Go to builtbar.com and use promo code locked on, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code locked on, L O C K E D O N, for 20% off at builtbar.com. We'll be right back on Locked On Nuggets. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Back here for segment two of the Locked On Nuggets podcast. Want to let you guys know about Locked On Today. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with our new Locked On Today podcast. Peter Bukowski hosts that one, and he breaks down all the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. So if there's a big breaking story, this is like a big digestible, quick-hitting what's going on in all of the world of sports. It's really, really cool. So uh, if that's your jam, check it out. Locked On Today. So, all right, the MVP candidacy, we are 15 games in. It's still a little, you know, it's a little early to be talking about it, but it is a fun uh, topic of conversation. Jokic's MVP candidacy. Matt, who are the contenders for this right now? Like, if you could make a short list that says, and and, and cut the guys off that you think do not belong on there. Not the, like, eh, you could squint. Like, give me the guys that absolutely deserve mention in the MVP candidacy uh, conversation. I I just wrote a thousand words on this tonight, so I literally literally have the list. Let's do I it. I really have the list. Uh, number one is Nikola Jokic. He's number one. So this is, you're already giving us the order. Yes. Uh, okay. Notably by basketball references, uh, statistical profile, yeah, of MVP, which has been actually really on points. 
Jokic has a 40% probability and is the highest probability win MVP at this point. By a pretty good margin, right? Yeah. I think the number two is like 12 or something. He is not the odds on favorite. He is plus 800. You can still get him at eight to one, which is why he's number one, because my list is based off of the value in betting. Right. Uh, number two is Joel Embiid. And oh. Embiid's case is going to get pretty tough, I think, in terms of it's going to be tough to beat. Uh, right. The Sixers are have the best record in the Eastern Conference. They have that despite having missed half of their players for like a week and a half. Um, they are undefeated when Seth Curry and Joel Embiid play this season. They have not lost a game. Mm. Uh, their net rating with Curry and Embiid on the floor is plus 22 with a 102 defensive rating. Uh, they have absolutely just slaughtered. Embiid is playing pretty much the same as always. He's shooting really well from mid-range, and that's probably going to regress a little bit. Uh, the big problem is just going to be if, if it comes down at the end of the season to those two, if this keeps up, and we're a long way from there, but if it does keep up, the problem is going to be that Embiid is going to be described as a two-way player, and that, and right. no matter what, how many how Jokic steals or deflections, you are never going to win an argument of like they're still going to be like, okay, fine, he's not that bad, but Embiid's great defensively, and it's true. So that's going to be a, like one of the the tough ones for him. He still can handle a double team, which I think is a problem. Just he can't handle them. I have like seventeen clips of things. Watching him is really interesting because like, I realize how spoiled I am uh, in watching Jokic. Like this is definitely a bias that comes from me covering Denver because when I watch Embiid and he absolutely just goes to pieces versus double teams, I'm like, what are you doing? Just, just reverse the ball to the other side on the one skip pass, throwing it over your head to the guy that's, that you can't right, see on right, the other right. side. Cause I'm used to Joker. But also the other thing is as, jo- as funny as some people talk about Joker with his, his body movement, Joker's entire game is very pretty. It's clean. He has right, a clean right. game. Yeah. Embiid's is not it's clumsy he stumbles he he doesn't even necessarily bruise you over and body you he just kind of hits you to get into a spot and then throws up a shot that's not necessarily perfect but it's good enough to get the bucket and so um the numbers are there uh he's gonna be a really tough one number three is lebron james he's the default that's the default choice and i talked about this a little bit Mm. on twitter chris mannix had a tweet today that talked about Basically, he said that LeBron is a front runner and he was comparing him to Brady. Um, and it's telling that Chris Mannix of SI and NBC describes him such as like the LeBron's a front runner because there shouldn't be one, there shouldn't be a front runner. And two, the fact that LeBron is already filling that void tells yeah. you where the narrative is. Oh, of course. Like, the this is where Jokic is not going to win, by the way. There, this is, there's a perfect story. There's going to be a lot of great articles written, a lot of access granted for articles yep. written as it gets later yep. in the season. I mean, let's be honest here. Yep. So the problem is that uh, LeBron's numbers are down across the board compared to himself. And really, if you look at them, kind of compared to other players too, he is scoring the lowest points per game that he has since his rookie season. He is scoring his lowest assists per game that he has since he left Miami. He has the lowest effective field goal percentage since 2007 like i'm not saying lebron's having a bad season i'm saying that there are different types of mvp voters and there is a block of them which are kind of people like me that are like the hardcore wonk analysts and they're gonna have a hard time giving lebron the award based off of the fact that the lakers just pretty much smash everybody like that's a good argument because he's the best player on the best team and that goes a long way wins are the most important thing in mvp conversations but having Anthony Davis playing at the level that he has is going to take some of those votes away. So I don't think that LeBron is the front runner. I think if you had to ask people to vote today, most of the votes would actually go for Jokic, but most people would just say, oh, I want to see more. They want to wait until Jokic stumbles. Right. And then if there's nobody that, that separates themselves and we've had these seasons, if nobody separates themselves, LeBron's going to win it. So LeBron, when he's off the court this year, mm-hmm. the Lakers are outscoring opponents by four and a half points yep. per 100 possession, according to basketball reference. Right. This is the thing to me. People always will look at the record, which, by the way, at this point in the season is like a two and a half game difference. Um, you know, it feels like it's a lot because, you know, 12 and four is a lot different than nine and seven. Just, you know, yep. it just feels so different. But when you talk about, yeah, well, when one guy sits, his team gets obliterated and barely sits at all. And the other guy can sit comfortably and know his team will all take care of business. You I, also go to the other end of it. This is where I'm pushing back just for a second here. We go to the other end of it. And we look at, you know, some of the advanced stats. Well, defensive win shares, number one, Anthony Davis. So he's got a guy that ranks number one in, in uh, an advanced metric. You go to defensive box plus minus number one, Mark Gasol, number three, Anthony Davis. Like when you put guys 
on your team, multiple guys who f- show up in the top three in other advanced metrics. To me, it's like, hey, these stats don't mean everything, but let's not pretend the guy doesn't have some help here. I have a hard time with this. One of my the things that I kind of decided um, was that you can't reward a guy for having bad teammates. Sure. And you can't punish a guy for having good ones. So it's entirely about the impact. But here's kind of the problem is just like, if you look at it, like LeBron just hasn't been that awesome. Like if he'd been, if he'd been more awesome, I don't like, I don't mind being like, well, look, it doesn't matter that they're good without him. He has good teammates. That's not like, I'm not going to punish him for having good teammates, but on the court, you pretty much have to absolutely smash and they're good, but other people have been better, including like Jokic. And I do think that there are a lot of people that disagree with me on this point and that they do feel like the MVP is most valuable to your team. And that's one where Jokic absolutely is going to get rack up a lot of support if it continues down this path. Um, if we just talk about Jokic though, and what he's done this year and why it's different than years, years previous, this, this, Oh, you have something before this. I just wanted to put one more name. Cause this gives it gets us to, to, oh, yeah. uh, to my four and five guys on the list are okay. Durant and Kawhi. Yeah. KD is more of an engine with those other guys. But the problem is like, again, the narrative voters aren't going to like it. Cause they're like, you have Harden and, and Irving. It's the same right. problem is, yeah, I'm not giving it to Steph Curry is Kevin Durant or I'm not. It also it just Durant. takes away a little bit. It, it's weird, but like Kevin Durant was doing a lot of little bit of everything and managing a game and do, and now it, it just does feel like a three man, a three, like three guys freestyling. And that's just well, weird. It's just different. It's, it's just interesting different. that you say that because when I've watched them, I haven't felt like that. It still feels like Ooh, KD is the engine. Um, his usage rate is the same. His assist rate is the same. His scoring rate is the same. And I get that they play at a crazy pace and that's part of it. But I, I really have felt like Durant is still the engine, even as, as Harden's racking up assists, it feels like the scoring load has shifted to Kyrie for the guys they traded. And the assist load is trade has shifted to, to Harden. For the for the you know the thing is and this is where where Jokic really gets the bump over KD you know it's a it's a two there's two ends of the court and mm-hmm. you just got to play defense and you know the Nets sure, unfortunately sure. the Nets they just yeah you gotta that's the story I keep hearing right I gotta throw I mean I, if we're gonna say it for one guy we better bring it up for the guy that's a significantly worse defensive team but uh, I don't mean to 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 dissolve the argument to this simplicity but I just I know how the voters go yeah. Jokic needs to lead the league and assist in order for him to win. Probably. Like, yeah. and, and, and honestly, it's not double digits. It's like, well, I don't think he this. will. I don't think he will, by the way. I mean, what Russell Westbrook and James Harden, they just, they, they eat up more possession. Like if you look at their potential assists yeah. are even higher. And that's a large part because they have a hot potato. assist. like, just, they just have the, well, nothing worked. So let me give it to KD and drive kick, shoot over. It's just drive, kick, repeat. Right. Yeah. So if he averages a triple double, it doesn't have as much impact as it did because of what Russ has done. However, if he averages a triple double and he's like third in assists and the nuggets finish like top three and he still averages like 27, 28 ish, he's going to pick up a big chunk of votes. Like he will at least get a healthy chunk of votes. Um, What you really need is you need a Zach Lowe Cause I, if I do it, it won't register as much uh, or enough rather. Uh, obviously not as much, much, but like it won't register enough. You need a Zach Lowe to publish a very big article or something on the Rainer KOC would do it too. If you do something that actually showcases the fact that like, you know what, Jokic has actually been pretty good defensively. If you right. have that and you're able to shift the narrative about it, that's going to go a long way, but I don't know if they'll ever get there. I think the fact that he is fifth in the NBA in steals helps him out. I don't know if he'll remain there, but just a raw per game stat that says, hey, he doesn't block a lot of shots, but guess what? Steals are more valuable than blocks, and he's getting those at the same rate as Kawhi Leonard and Jimmy Butler. There's one one voter that's emblematic of a type of voter that I know who I know that no matter what I would tell him, he would say, I don't care. I don't need to see it. I've watched Jokic. He can't right. defend. Well, there's, there'll be so many of those. I mean, that's yeah. the that's part of the challenge here is he's got to overcome those. I think the thing that's going for Jokic more than anything else, like his assist numbers are up. I'm curious to see if those hold. They've kind of actually started to drop over the last six or seven games. So I'm just yeah. curious to see if it comes down to, you know, eight and a half or something like that, which I know it seems superficial, but 10 versus eight and a half, it means the difference between the triple double or not. And, and just the number that jumps out. But the thing that he has going for him is he's a scorer this year, unlike we've ever seen from him before. We've never seen an extended run of scoring like this, not in the playoffs. And to me, that's the part that 
I, I think his assists are going to drop. I don't know that his points are going to drop significantly lower. I, I would be pretty confident saying I think he averages the most points of his career by a decent margin this season. Yeah, he's just got a lot better feel for it. He doesn't take games where he's like, oh, you know, they want me – you know, they want me to shoot. So I'm going to force the pass or right, oh, they want right. me to pass. So I'm going to take what the defense gives me. Like he's still, he's like still keeping pressure on him. Like yep. this is kind of the difference I think in him this year is last year it was very much built. And this is honestly the, why he's evolved past what Marcus all was. Um, he's more skilled obviously, but the kind of point I'm making is one of the problems with Gasol in his prime was that Mark was really talented and he could score efficiently and he never shoot because he'd be like, that's not the play. The right, right. play is to do this. Like, and he is like, I'm always going to make the right play. Joker has learned that there are times when if you do not make the right play, you get them off balance. Right. It's like running when they're, yeah. bl- when they're sending the blitz of, again and pass coverage, yeah. right? Like if you're tearing them up and they have to adjust for it and they have to bring those safeties right. up and then you tear up the bills for 45 yards <laughs> on a pass play, like that opens up the rest of your offense. And so like yeah. th- there are these dynamics, I think, in play of, he keeps defenses more on their heels than ever. The clutch performance, I think, really helps. He's been brilliant in the clutch. Yeah. And that and big time games that teams have seen. Right. Um, the biggest thing I think is like it's like if you ask me what's the biggest thing going for Jokic, I would say like he's been the best overall player in the NBA this season. Right. If you right. ask me like what's the biggest reason I don't even won- Go ahead. best but also just like the team needs him the most i mean and that's the thing about some of these other guys and whatever you say about kd he is on a team where there's other guys that just are capable of being having an mvp caliber game um you know same goes for lebron same goes for all these guys and Jokic, like his team desperately needs him to play at the level that they're at right now just to be nine and seven and i think people the longer the season goes on and the more they get a look at him the the more they're going to realize that hey man this guy's actually doing quite a bit for this team just to keep them to where they're at for him to win though his points are going to have to stay up his assists are going to have to stay up and the nuggets are going to have to be a top four seed i don't i don't see him winning if they're below a four seed so he can't win on the merits of my teammate uh, his teammates are bad he's gonna right. have to yep. win it based off of the merits of you know the nuggets have some weapons but man with Jokic, they're incredible because like that's largely what like harden won on was that the nuggets the the rockets were still good when harden wasn't on the floor in 2018 and in 2017 yeah. they were still pretty good when he wasn't on the floor but when he was on the court they were dominant and they were great and they won a ton of games and he yeah. incredible stat lines. You do that and you got a real chance. That's I all, do think that's all he's got to do. But this will, will be a good I, I think I think this will be a competitive MVP year though. I will say that like some years there's you know a vacancy like mm-hmm. voter fatigue or this or that. There's a lot of players that I think will have a good I mean Luka Doncic we didn't even talk about. If yeah. Dallas is uh, same thing with them if they rally and are good, he'll have a case. Giannis, you never know if the Bucks end up with the best record like there will be guys that will have a a strong case to be made. The biggest thing I'm, I'm feeding into the small market energy here uh, on this Nuggets podcast, but I don't nice. mind. Like chip on the shoulder is the way to go. You're gonna struggle because it's Denver. They don't want to give it to somebody from Denver. They want to sure. give it to for sure. like it's more. There's there's a bunch of problems with this. One, look, LeBron is the most media friendly star in the league. He is covered yeah. by a host of voters. Like I can count on one hand. Like I think it takes me. Two, I think it takes me two hands to count the number of voters that cover LeBron. Yeah. Embiid is very much in with several voters. Like there are voters that have done extensive, like have a relationship with Joel Embiid. Jokic does not have that guy. No. Unless they're going to give you a vote. It's not going to happen. So, and this is just going to continue to be a problem. Like the narrative block is not going to want to give it to a center who passes from Denver. Right. It's going to be tough. and so, like, you're going to have to leave no doubt because otherwise either – you... I was just going to say, do you care? Like, what, what's your level of care that, you know, he, he gets the – you know, that he gets his due or that he wins the reward? I think I care that there's recognition. It still felt like last year, and it started to turn. Like, he's converted people every single year. Like, you had yeah. to convert me right. years ago, Right. Last year converted a lot of people where yeah, it, for sure. it, did, it did feel like dudes were like, you know what? Jokic is a bad man. I honestly think he has so many fewer haters. Yeah. Like just, or at least I should say deniers. Yeah. You, you smack down the Clippers and Kawhi. You beat, you outplay Kawhi Leonard in a playoff right. series and it goes yeah. a long way. Right. I will say though, that there's still always like, there's this lingering and this comes from the analytics side too of like, yeah, no, Jokic is great. I mean, but Embiid. And I, I continue to be like, Embiid is a ways behind 
chasing yeah. Jokic in accomplishment, efficiency, control of the game, durability yeah. across the board. Yeah. The conversation of who the best center in the league is, is not one. And I think Embiid is playing at magnificent this season. And I still think Jokic is better. Um, yeah. So I, I want to see more of that conversation. Winning MVP is tough. I think it's, it's a tough order. I think it'd be really cool for Denver. But the other thing I would tell you is like playoff success is way better than winning MVP as somebody that has written more about MVP than anything else in my career. <laughs> winning is way better than winning yeah. MVP. Yeah. I don't, that's why I say I don't care too much. Um, you know, I'm more concerned that Jokic, I would love him to play at this level all year. Cause I just think that would be fantastic in another step in his direction, which in his growth, which I think would be incredible, but let's take a break. Other side, we do need to keep this show moving and talk about Michael Porter. Should he start? Should he not? Is there any other adjustments you make to the starting lineup? Is this the time to do it? We'll talk about all those things on the other side. But first, Adam, I don't know if you know this, but in two weeks, there's going to be a football game. And in that game, mm. the Kansas City Chiefs are going to play in the in a big game, big, big, the big, big game. game. Yeah. Versus Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Chiefs are only three point favorites again, because just <laughs> for some reason, Man, where can I race to bet on that? I feel like the Chiefs are going to win. They're gonna There's win one place that you, that you can if you want to, or if you want to just hate bet against me, you can bet <laughs> on that at betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use that promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, for your 50% welcome bonus. Uh, there are all sorts of great games to be played, to be bet, bet on. Like tomorrow, you've got the Raptors facing the Pacers. Uh, the Pacers are favored again for some reason, despite the Raptors having beaten them, I think, in four of the last five meetings between the two teams i'm going to be in on them the boston celtics are are playing on a back-to-back and brad stevens has been excellent on a back-to-back so i may be in on that portland's on a back-to-back against the the blade the thunder rather after they're in a tight one as we speak right now versus the knicks if they win that one i'll probably be fading them tomorrow you can do all that and more college basketball and of course the big game and nba nfl futures all of that stuff at betonline.ag don't forget to use the promo code locked on to receive a 50 percent welcome bonus with your first deposit bet online your online sportsbook experts we will be right back on locked on nuggets hi i'm jake from locked on there's a lot to say when buying a new home or car but really the first words you want to say are like a good neighbor state farm is there and trust me as someone named jake that is a fact That's the phrase that will help you feel good knowing that you have people who could help you find the right coverage for the things you want to protect. Insurance doesn't need to be complicated with a State Farm agent. With so many coverage options, it feels good knowing you can find what fits you because your situation is unique. And State Farm is there to help you feel supported with the coverage you need for your car, your home, and even boats, motorcycles, RVs, and other things that matter to you. And when you need ways to get help, don't yell or be angry because State Farm gives you options there too, in person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com or their award-winning app. State Farm lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Final segment of the Lockdown Nuggets podcast here presented by Built Bar. And um, guys, want to remind you, this week is going to be a, a packed week of Lockdown Nuggets podcast because we've got a game tomorrow, of course, against the Dallas Mavericks. Then the Nuggets fly down to Miami on Wednesday and take on the Miami Heat. And then they fly on Friday to San Antonio and get the Spurs. So we have three shows to do just on games alone this week. So you're going to want to keep it locked here, always providing post-game analysis. All right, Matt. So now the question becomes... Last night to me, I we when we when we were talking in the podcast going into the second Suns game, we kept talking about should Murray and Jokic sit. I maintain that I don't think they should have. Unfortunate that they had to play 40 plus minutes, but that's the breaks. But I absolutely think, and maybe this is easy in hindsight, Millstep and Barton sitting last night could have really lent a nice opportunity for you to sneaky segue into what might be your final starting lineup before too long. And even if you don't stay there, even if you just put it out there to say, Hey, what would it look like if we were to start Jermichael green and Michael Porter jr. Alongside, uh, you know, Murray Okich and Gary Harris, that would have been a really nice opportunity to try that and give those guys, you know, kill two birds with one stone. But I, that's a long way of saying, where does Michael Porter now fit into the rotation? Do you think that he belongs on the bench? Do you think he 
on the bench plays heavy minutes, or do you think it's time to kind of put him right back where the plan was all along to get him in the starting lineup? I still think he comes off the bench. I want to basically handcuff him to Jamichael Green. That's what I want to do. Is like I want all yeah. of his minutes tied with Jamichael Green. Now, my hot take is that you should move both Jamichael Green and Michael Porter into the starting unit. But I do want to kind of like ask you this question of the bench unit's playing well right now. Yeah. Do you is it better to have the balance between the starters and the bench or to optimize the starting unit? What do you think? It's really tough. I, I I don't think that it's just those two things. I think you have to, there's other factors that come into play. And part of these are just, you know, what's your long-term plan with Michael Porter? In fact, I think it's still the biggest one. Like you could tell me, Oh yes, it makes sense. The bench is rolling. Let's keep him here. This, that, but to me, the season's not a success unless you figure out if Michael Porter is going to work for you or not with the, with that starting group. And that's going to take time as well as he played in this last, in these last two games. And in particular in the second one where I thought he was, 14 points, 11 rebounds, but he did a bunch of things that I felt like, hey, that's what you need to do for a while before you've proven that you can do all the dirty work. Um, as well as he played, I, I still feel like it's going to be there's going to be some bumps ahead. So to me, unfortunately, that that's my answer. They need to get those reps with him. So I noted last, but night I do that, agree with you that I think that him at the four or him alongside Jamichael Green is is kind of a key. So I noted last night the Murray Jokic Porter lineups were plus 17 last night. It was great. That's a big step forward. Uh, and you're not going to have to push me real hard on this to get me to buy into, okay, it's time. If it starts to click, then it starts to click. Now there's like other stuff going on there, right? Like Monte's playing out of his mind. Um, like their best lineup. Monte's unreal right now. Like their, their best lineup right now is Jamal, Monte, MPJ, Jamichael, Jokic. Yeah. That's their I, best I lineup. Think that might be their, yeah. Not I, necessarily their best closing lineup for this or that, but that does feel like a, a, a nice knockout punch lineup that you can play. Maybe you close with, but you can certainly find minutes for it throughout the game. Uh, let's talk about Jermichael Green for a second to get away from, not to divert okay. from Porter because I think it's they're tied, right? Um, they're, the two are intertwined. Here, here's Jermichael's minutes over the last five games. 24, 19, 17, 20, 28. Before that, 22, 23, 21, 19, 20. Jermichael Green's not playing enough minutes. And yeah. I know that that's, that's tough, because you got to find minutes and you want to play him a little bit at small ball five and Jokic plays, you know, 45 minutes a night or whatever, but <laughs> no, he plays 30, he plays 33 minutes a night. The difference is that I, I think I find that like when Jokic plays long minutes, Jokic plays huge minutes. Yeah. yeah, like That's that the way. issue. I think you need more Jermichael green minutes. I think you need. And like, I just, I don't like being here. I hate that. I've been put here on, Paul Millsap needs to play less. I hate this, but oh man, he looks rough though. And I, and this is no, this isn't even really a criticism of him. It's just it's a fact of life. Guys age, they get older, and he really looks like he's lost a lot, or he looks like he knows it's a long season. Is like, hey guys, I was never going to give you January. That was that was on you guys. That's, right. I, I, maybe that's it. And that's fine. And that's good. Yeah. And I like that. That's fine. And you know, that's a better solution for this is like save him for whatever. But in the regular season, at least I, you need more Jamichael green. Like you need yeah, more. I, I don't, I have not appreciated the reaction from online nuggets fans who are basically saying if Porter, like last night, Barton had a, had a rough game. Like why is MPJ playing more? It's like, well, Barton had a great game the night before. Like, right, right, right. You know, like you gotta understand, like it's and there Him are nights playing last night was kind of crazy because we know he's hurt. Yeah, we already know that he has soreness. So playing him on a second night of a back to back and him going all of five and just looking like really exhausted. I mean, I wasn't surprised. And part of this too is I think um, there's a certain level of there are just times when neither Barton like it's not that whoever starts doesn't look good. It's that you, there's not a, I don't have a consistent answer to who should play because there are times when Barton looks really good with the starters and looks bad with the bench. And there's times when MPJ looks great with the starters and looks bad with the bench. And there's nights when Barton looks good with the bench, but bad with the, like there's no consistency. Mm. if Porter starts to show if basically they start absolutely killing teams in the minutes where it's Jokic, Jamichael, MPJ, mm-hmm. that I think is like, all right, this is like who we are because the question has once again, come of who are the nuggets yeah. and you don't really know with Murray playing the way that he has, 
Um, you know, this is Jokic's team. You know, they're mentally tough. I don't know much beyond that. I don't. And I just think that this is very much up in the air. Like Porter hasn't, it's weird because Porter's individually great. It's just, there is a level to which they got to figure out how to make it work collectively with him. And some of that has been like, well, that's on everybody. And I'm like, I know, but it always does feel like it's mostly Porter's approach that decides that. It's hard His approach to- was so good in this last game. And it is, it is so tough because he's just so talented that I get why he thinks he needs more this or that. But I just last nine shots in four in 35 minutes, but him getting all those rebounds and loose balls. I thought he made a couple of the biggest plays of the entire night. Um, to me, I really believe this. If he can have, and it sounds absurd. I know like the Michael Porter supporters are going to freak out at this. If he can have 10 of those games in a row, if, if that, he just dedicates himself or eight of the next 10 are that the rest is going to come, but it's just, sometimes you have to prove that you can do the other stuff before guys let you do the, the, the stuff you want. I'll also say Jamal was looking for him last night. Like Jamal he was found, yep. Jamal found him a little bit more. And I think that that's like, that's big. Yep. Um, I don't think that Jamal was not looking for him. I don't, I honestly don't think the Nuggets freeze him out. I think they're used to their offense not yep. needing to involve a third person. Yep. And so, you know, that is one where they do it. And I wonder, like, is his implicit style going to be disruptive? But the answer to that is the way that most things are in the NBA, like the implicit style of Miles Turner and, and Demonis Sabonis early was rough. Right. And everybody's like, they got to trade one of these guys. You can't play these two together. Right, right. It's not working. Those two are awesome now together. Yeah. Lineups kill yeah. with those two on the floor. It's repetition. You have 72 games. You have 82 games next season. You have 82 games beyond that. You do it over and over and over and over again, night yeah. after night after night. And eventually you figure out how to make it work. Because yeah. there are a lot of things in the NBA that don't make implicit sense. There have been a lot of great combinations that don't make implicit sense. But you do it long enough and you figure it out. I'm ready for the Nuggets to make a lineup change. I don't think that they will. I do think it'll come sometimes in the next the next month, like calendar month. Um, but, you know, I, I do think that this probably lands on Jamichael Green and Michael Porter starting because I think they fit better. I think that it allows for Jokic to have an enormous amount of spacing on the court and he kills it there. And I just think those lamps will look great. The real question is, and this one's for you, Matt, Compazzo, Monte, Barton, Millsap. Is that a, is that a good bench lineup? PJ Dozier, you maybe have to fit PJ Dozier in there as well. Does that lineup make sense for a defense person? Well, I think the big thing here is that the, the Nuggets are not playing hockey lineups anymore. That's kind gone. of they are. Really? Yeah, I mean they still get they still get out to their their five their five man lineups. And then we didn't even ma- mention Hartenstein. I mean, part of me wonders. La- that's why last night would have been such. Millsap was so exhausted. That would have been a great night to say, "Hey, Hartenstein, you're playing 20 minutes tonight. We're going to see yeah. what you look like now in that in that spot." Or Zeke Naji, who I'd still like. Or to Zeke Naji. I, I think. Um, from what I've noticed, they're playing a lot more of either Jamal or Jokic on the floor with the bench at all times. Like I haven't noticed a lot of all bench lineups. There's like a mm. few, um, but Jokic, like for example, Jokic is playing to start the second and fourth a lot more this season. You remember how it used to be? It was like, he would play to the end of the first quarter. He'd come out, he'd come back in at like the six or seven mark of the, of the second slash fourth. And now they're playing him a lot more to start the fourth, the second and fourth quarter, play him three minutes and then bring him back at like the five minute mark. Yeah. And those like rotation differences are huge because if you can like it racks up the minutes, but you do want to get, you want to intermingle those minutes uh, to keep one of the starters out there. Because I, do th- I think part of it is they built this, this team is built a lot more around their star talent rather than last year, but last year's team could kind of hold on its own better. Yeah. Um, just with raw talent. Like yeah. I think Compasso next, next to Jamichael Green and Jokic is good. I think Compasso without Joker and Jamichael Green is bad. Mm. And so it's like there are all these guys I think are kind of tied. Like Monte Morris is really the only guy on the bench unit that I can look at and say, I guess MPJ too. Um, it does not matter who you have on the floor with them. These guys are who they are. Right. Yo, interestingly enough, Jokic, Compazzo, and Green together, a forty-seven point seven net rating. Yeah, I mean, that's not on very many minutes. It's very, but they're very killing few, it. But, but they're killing it. Like, if you put Compazzo with Jokic, they they absolutely they go wild. He's the number one player when playing alongside Jokic and Green. So, yeah. But again, it's only on four minutes a game, and I think that's over four total games. So, yeah, not that much. But I mean, this is why T.J. McBride wanted to start him. So. 
that's, <laughs> that's how that goes. You think Nuggets win tomorrow night in, in Dallas? No, um, I don't. Dallas has habitually just been a problem. Like Rick Carlisle is just one of those coaches. His teams just give Denver problems. I mean, look, here's, here's the biggest question. Uh, if they can, if they have the energy to commit to their defensive scheme, they'll win. Because if you put That's two on ball point, yeah. and you play up to touch at the level, whatever you want to say versus versus Doncic, it inherently takes him away and you can ball deny with Harris on Doncic and they've messed them up in two of the meetings of between those teams badly by doing that. But for whatever reason, the nuggets don't do it in versus Dallas. They want to play in a lot of drop. And if you play drop versus the way that Dallas runs their offense, not just Doncic, but Jalen Brunson's also going to, going to rip you apart uh, with Rashawn or with Willie Colley Stein, big pogo guy. Uh, he'll tear you apart too. They have a lot of guys missing. I, I think Richardson's still, yeah, Richardson's still out with tracing. So that's big. But if they commit to their scheme, they can win. But I haven't seen them do it versus Dallas for whatever reason. They tend to run a lot more drop versus Doncic. And, and if you do that, he eats you alive. I'm just curious to see if they have the energy for it. I think yep. if they have the energy for it, I do think they beat them. I think Dallas might be sneaky bad not bad but just i don't i don't know if they're very good they're not good right now yeah we're not good right now they were they tried to be more balanced and the cost of that was they took away what made them great last year and i think that denver might be sneaky good the problem is they also might be not so sneaky exhausted and so (laughs) they should have rested matt they should have rested this last game got those wins versus the suns though got that second (laughs) win versus the suns look i'll I'll say for, for all we joked about though like I'm a tiebreaker guy. I think it's more likely they, they do have it now. Needing yeah. tiebreaker versus Phoenix, and they're now two one versus Phoenix. They may play them once more, but even then, like Phoenix has to dig out of the hole. It gives Denver, you know, Denver winds up winning winning the the division, which is going to be tough because Utah's playing great right now. But if Denver winds up winning the division, that's another tiebreaker, even if Phoenix gets the second one. So like Denver's insured at least a split with the Suns. That can wind up being huge for seedings later. Yeah. All right, well, that does it for us today, guys. Again, we'll be back tomorrow wrapping up, recapping the Nuggets versus Mavs series. Always fun. Doncic versus Jokic. Michael Porter Jr., he gets a little more comfortable. A little, He becomes a little bit more of a gunner each game. I, I think this next one, he might take a, more than 10 shots, and I'm all for it. I'm excited to see what happens. We'll be back again tomorrow, guys. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all then. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.